You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. For the past few years, there have been warnings coming at a steadily increasing pace that organizations, and indeed we as a nation, need to prepare ourselves for the coming wave of quantum computing, systems with the computational power to render modern encryption methods obsolete. CISA, NSA, and NIST jointly published a fact sheet titled Quantum Readiness, Migration to Post-Quantum Cryptography. I'm joined today by experts from each of those organizations. Natasha Eastman is chief of CISA's post-quantum cryptographic initiative. Troy Lang is chief of encryption production and solutions at NSA. And Bill Newhouse is a cybersecurity engineer at NIST. Natasha, can I start with you? For you and your organization, how would you describe the state of things? So I I think we're at the beginning from a critical infrastructure standpoint, you know, organizations are are at a spectrum, you know, some and and particularly some sectors are, you know, well aware of this technology and where it's going. And they're thinking about how to incorporate it into their products, into their security. And for others, this is, you know, very much a, a new thing that they're just starting to learn about and starting to prepare for. Troy, how about you? Yeah, I agree. We're very early on in the journey here. Um, What I'm heartened by is that the Department of Defense has clearly taken this very seriously. They've made some investments to make sure we're getting after making sure that national security systems are quantum resistant. And with the issuance of National Security Memorandum Number 10 last year that compels departments and agencies to get a plan together uh, shows that we're, we're early on, but we're getting a good head start on this. And Bill, from your perspective, where are we right now? Well, NIST put out draft algorithms last week, the FIPS 203, FIPS 204, and FIPS 205, and that's a a culmination of seven years of cooperative work across the globe with cryptographers to, to identify what what can be created that it's is 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 quantum resistant. And so that's that's a a nice seven-year process, and, and now we get closer to the realization of these algorithms in, in today's technologies. And then when, when that happens, testing that makes them available to the federal government for use becomes part of the process. 
So we're, we're, we're getting ahead of the ability to use the stuff because it's going to be complicated to do those things and to figure out where you're using quantum vulnerable cryptography that needs to be replaced that offers that is that it's if you continue to use quantum vulnerable cryptography you're putting data and at risk getting ahead of that curve so it's it's early days but it's 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 late days in some respects on, on the, the the work towards these algorithms that we're going to be moving to yeah you know bill i'm curious what is your sense for when this is going to become a reality, you know, there's a, a joke, I think it's similar to the joke about nuclear fission, that no matter when you ask, it's always 20 years away. My sense is that we're getting closer and closer with quantum, but is it fair to say anyone really has a sense for when this is actually going to become a, a day-to-day reality? I'm the anyone who has no sense, really. It, it, to, me, it, to me, it's a decade or more away. Uh, that, that's because I've heard other smart, smarter-looking people than me or smarter-sounding people, I should say. It's an opinion, and and a crypto-analytically relevant quantum computer to realize it will take a lot of incredible innovation. But people are working towards that, and if a bad actor manages to do to create one, they're not necessarily going to declare they're using it and where where they're targeting and and who they're targeting and what kind of data they're looking to exploit. So, you know, you need to prepare to get ready to protect your data from such a a future thing. Uh, It's also a great way just to make yourself better at protecting what you have today because you're going to be forced to look at everything you do with with cryptography. And that's that's a great step for any organization that has the resources to take it on. You know, both Natasha and Troy, I'm curious, do you suppose there's a possibility that that we could experience a, a Sputnik moment when it comes to quantum where one of our adversaries would suddenly announce to the world that their capabilities are perhaps farther ahead than than we had thought that they might be? No, I, I was actually going to say I, I'll leave the speculating on our adversaries to to Troy. You know, I I think the important thing that we're thinking about here is that it it's not like the minute that a crypto analytically relevant quantum computer appears that all you know cryptography is broken across the globe. You know, the the information and particular cryptographic implementations will still have to be targeted. But I think what we you know, need organizations to understand and, and what we are seeing is that information is being taken today that is considered secure, possibly for use and, and breaking later. So organizations have to start thinking about it earlier than a you know, crypto analytically relevant quantum computer is actually here. Troy, over to you. Yeah, I mean, there's no way to predict when the breakthrough is going to happen. And what you kind of talked about there with a Sputnik moment is kind of like my worst nightmare scenario. Uh, Hopefully we won't find ourselves there. I I don't believe that we will. But nobody can predict with any accuracy when, you know, that day is when it's going to be first turned on and fired up. But we have to take it seriously because I think if you take a look at the amount of investment that's being made just in commercial industry, there is a lot of investment in research that's going into this. In my mind, it's inevitable it's going to happen. Uh, And we need to be prepared for that because it'll be devastating if we are not. You know, I've I've been trying to to think of an analogy for this conversion, um, necessary as it is. I mean, is it... In your minds, does it compare to something like when broadcasters switch to HD? You know, at some point, we're going to throw the switch and stop using the old stuff because we have to move on to the new. And that, that's going to be painful for some people. Is there anything to that analogy or is that off the mark, you think? Bill, let me start with you. Now you're playing in my in my in my my swim lane. Usually, I'm the one coming up with clever ways to make people <laughs> op- open their mental models to it. So you got me thinking. 
Um, <laughs> you know, the, yes, there, it fits in the, in the respect that NIST is not going to deprecate today's cryptography, asymmetric cryptography, because it, it works uh, and, and it protects the data except for a crypto-analytically relevant quantum computer that is able to implement the ability to break the math. Um, so, so that part's kind of there. And, and, and by the time it mattered that, that I couldn't buy a television or a VCR, but you know, things that couldn't do digital, um, it didn't matter anymore. There, you know, maybe I had some legacy things I wanted to be able to watch or something, but it wasn't like broad, everything kept up. And so by the time it really mattered, we, we made that happen. So by starting all this now, early, um, most organizations will, will just benefit from their providers getting them to the right place and telling them that it doesn't matter. You can't watch you know, that channel in analog. It's now digital. So yeah, the, the metaphor holds up because we're, we're, we're going to get ahead of this. We are, we are working now today to, to implement and to, to update standards for the communication protocols that rely on some of these vulnerable algorithms so that we can protect the data when it's, when it's there. Natasha, as you and your organization are taking the lead here in the government space, what sort of interplay are you seeing between agencies in terms of you know, the communications and the ability to prepare here? I think you're seeing right now that there's a tremendous amount of interplay, right? We work with our colleagues at NIST and NSA and some of the sector risk management agencies element of the White House, you know, day in, day out. Um, and I think some of the things that Bill was talking about are key key to the reasons for that, right? If, if we're talking about federal government, we have to be working with OMB. If we're thinking about, um, you know, the, the critical infrastructure community, the sector risk management agencies are, you know, really part and parcel of of that community. And when we think about, you know, your analogy, you know, one of the the places where it it starts to get difficult is in the operational technology space or the ICS space, right? Industrial control systems, where, you know, these technologies don't change over quite as quickly. Or we think about some of these large implementations of systems where budgets are planned 10 years out. And so we have to think about how we work with the vendor community, the sector, you know, risk management agencies, OMB to think about budgets, whether we're, we're talking critical infrastructure or federal government, because some of these implementations have very long timeframes. Um, so that's one of the reasons that we're, you know, thinking about in this fact sheet, contact your vendors, start having those discussions because, you know, it's, it's, it's a team sport in, in every, you know, step of the, step of the way. Don't struggle to align your organization's cybersecurity with business risk. Get the only solution that goes beyond reacting to threats with vulnerability and risk monitoring. You need the next evolution of MDR, and only Critical Start delivers it. Critical Start doesn't just monitor and respond to threats. They put you in control by detecting suspicious activities, quickly responding to contained threats, and identifying your most critical assets and protecting them against vulnerabilities and exposures. With continuous visibility, expert guidance, and measurable risk reduction, Critical Start has redefined what it means to manage cyber risk. Demonstrate provable security maturity to your leadership while positioning your program to achieve the greatest risk reduction per dollar spent. Stop fearing risk and start managing it with Critical Start. 
Visit criticalstart.com and request a demo today. That's criticalstart.com. Troy, you know, you, you and your colleagues at NSA, I, I think it's fair to say there's been an openness, particularly when it comes to cybersecurity issues over the past few years that, uh, you know, perhaps past uh, members of the agency w- would uh, find surprising. But that's really been necessary. Um, the outreach, you know, and, and things like tools like Ghidra, you know, things like that. In terms of that interplay between the public and private sector, I mean, that that's really a critical element that, that you all are... Uh, leading the way with here. Yeah, you're right. That is incredibly important because we are all so interconnected. Um, we don't exist in the environment that I started in at the agency where we all exist in our own individual networks that didn't touch each other. Everything is interconnected now. So all this planning that we need to do, while we have our own sectors that we care about, they all have to be able to interoperate with each other. They all have to be able to point to the same standards. And the more that we can enrich the conversation by our understanding the threats that we're under, we're all going to be better off for that. Natasha, let me switch back to you here. For the folks in our audience who are responsible for defending their own organizations, what would be your advice coming into this transitional period here? Any tips or words of wisdom for them? Yeah, and I, I think there's two things that, that we focus on, right? And and the first is thinking about creating a, a plan, right? What, what are the different parts of the organization that need to be a part of that? There's the, the element of, you know, inventory. There's the element of how you are working with your vendors. There's the development of your IT. This is, you know, not just a team sport of organizations, but internal to an organization. What does that team look like that's going to get your organization ready? Um, and the second is the foundation. How is an organization thinking about the data that they own and what data that they own is, number one, protected by cryptography today, number two, needs to be protected by cryptography, um, and three, what is the secrecy lifetime of that data? And so is that something in that system that protects that data, does that need to be upgraded or where is that priority within the organization? Troy, how about your thoughts? Same, same topic there. Yeah, so, you know, a lot of interesting parallelisms as I'm listening to Natasha talk about, you know, industrial control systems, we have a lot of the main, same challenges with weapons platforms. Uh, you know, you put out a submarine to, to sea, it doesn't come into port for an oil change every 3,000 miles. So that planning is a critical component of what we're doing. And the first foundational part is understanding what your overall inventory looks like. Um, and so while we represent uh, pretty significantly different sectors, we have a lot of same overlap and a lot of the same issues that I think uh, cut across all domains is understanding what is your exposure, understanding what are those things that you care most about. And then again, I can't emphasize this too much that starting to plan now, you know, as we talk about driving towards a 2035 or 2034 date, that may seem like it's a long way off. But when you think of the enormity of the inventory that's out there that needs to be addressed, there's, there's a lot of work to do between now and then. And Bill, how about your perspective from you and your colleagues there at NIST? Yeah, so I've been talking a little bit about the, the crypto algorithms themselves, and I'm not part of that team. That's colleagues who are doing that. They're the, the mathematicians and cryptographers working with with similar folks all over the world. 
where I am in a, in a lab that's essentially an applied cybersecurity lab, we are undertaking initiating the development of, of practices, any practices to ease the migration from the current set of, of the cryptographic algorithms that are deemed vulnerable to, to ones that are quantum resistant. Um, and we've established, and NSM10 actually called out that we should do this, and, and we'd, we'd, we'd begun even before the memo came out. So, you know, that, that and a dollar gets me a dollar. But the nice part was we'd started inviting collaborators to join us, and, and these are experts in the companies that we rely on for, you know, the fact that our, our infrastructure is, is provided by commercial providers in a lot of ways. Uh, all that, these big companies are with us, small companies are with us, some startups, and, and we said, where should we start together? And, and, Already in, in documents from from other parts of the world, there and and in, in the U.S., you know, discovery. Natasha said it first is knowing what you have and what you're protecting. With these tools now, they're going to be a little more refined than maybe the, some of the tools that people ever had access to. And so, being able to see your overall cryptographic, you know, use your algorithm use is, is pretty fascinating. And so, a lot of discovery is happening. Um, so we're doing a we're doing a, a whole work stream with discovery. We're trying to show that what these tools do and where they make an impact. Are you looking at network traffic? Are you looking within operating systems for all the calls and things to certificate use? Are you looking into the, the the CI, the continuous integration, continuous development pipeline that you're starting to to use to make sure that as you develop stuff, you can look within it and go, oh, good, we're using we're using quantum resistant algorithms already, uh, or we're planning to, or we know where the, the ones that are vulnerable are. Those are all really cool things. The other work stream we started is that there are communication protocols that rely on asymmetric encryption. You could deem some of those vulnerable, the, the encryption used within them for, for the keys, uh, public and private key pairing. And we've got folks testing use of, of these new algorithms in their draft form today, but as close as we, you know, now that we have the drafts out, they've, they've been looking at them to see how well you can set up TLS or update, you know, X.509, the IETF is an international standards body. They're, they're, they're doing work to get the standards updated and be ready to use these new algorithms as soon as they're, they're available. So all those are great progress and it's just, uh, you know, good steps to be taken and it fits right along with, you know, the, this guidance document was written by all three agencies together because we've been saying this, messages and we've been promising and have been partnering all along as this has been going along. Natasha, I want to give you the final word here. To what degree should security professionals have a sense of urgency when it comes to this? You know, this has been a theme throughout the entire discussion. You know, the, the preparation needs to start now. Um, you know, the work that, that needs to be done is, is not easy, nor is it things that can be done overnight. So, you know, security professionals really need to think about starting their team getting their inventory done, starting to think about how they're working across development lines, in, you know, working with their vendors, um, and what that timeline looks like. So, you know, when we think about urgency, is it something that we need everyone running around with their hair on fire? Not necessarily, but we also need them thinking about getting this started today so that by the time we are thinking about a cryptanalytically relevant quantum computer coming on board, that they're ready. In, in, the, in the urgency versus non-urgency part, one thing that, that's become clear through the, the White House put out a memo for government agencies to do an inventory, and it was really a paper exercise. It didn't ask people to buy tools, but to identify high-value assets and, and identify as much as they could about the cryptography that's, that protects those high-value assets. And that's not a very far and different question than, than getting prepared for zero-trust architectures. So the modernization that was kind of is already under the way uh, from an M2209 memo, I believe it is, that says, you know, start start preparing and getting and using zero trust architectures. 
those teams are the ones you want to be you know, in part of your team here for quantum readiness. And that, that's an important thing that you're not doing this as a lone solo act in your organization. It is something that you're, you're kind of doing anyway. Vendors are already pushing you towards these architectures. The government is recognizing the power of zero trust. And, and I, my sense was there were people who felt like they didn't know enough when they got those, those memos. Like, what am I doing here? Well, you're doing it together and, you, and we're going to give you enough information. There, there's something here that calling people down to recognize it's a modernization effort that is uh, a good one to be done. Bill, it's a great point. And, and one of the things that when we talk to federal agencies about, or, you know, particularly the state and local community or you know, other sectors that are sitting there going, okay, how do I prioritize this against some of the other things that I'm doing? You know, one of the, the key elements that we want them to understand is that this is part and parcel of everything else that they're doing for good security. You know, when we think about movement to zero trust, or we think about reducing unsupported technologies within the environment, all of those things contribute to preparing for post-modern cryptography. Our thanks to CISA's Natasha Eastman, NSA's Troy Lang, and NIST's Bill Newhouse for joining us. The joint fact sheet is titled Quantum Readiness, Migration to Post-Quantum Cryptography. You can find it on CISA's website. Do check it out. And now, a message from CyberBit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then, you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need CyberBit. CyberBit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills, all using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. CyberBit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. Cyberwire. 